Ellen Page, the actress that recently came out as a woman identifying as a man, told the LA Times that the reason she decided to quote-unquote transition was because she heard a small voice in her head telling her to do so. Also, the Lululemon CEO is doubling down on the company's decision to fire two employees who simply called the police during a robbery. And in France, they are dealing with a migrant crisis as violent crime from so-called refugees is continuing to surge. And we've got Lauren Chin, my fellow Blaze TV host here, to break it all down, give us some very, very insightful and interesting analysis for you. We've also got a fun segment at the very end, so stay tuned for that. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Lauren, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I love your show. So it's Thank so you. awesome to be here. And it's well, always likewise. a pleasure to be with the the Blaze crew. Likewise. And uh, everyone, go check out her very, very, very popular YouTube channel. You have a couple YouTube channels, right? Yes. So my main one is Lauren Chen, uh, which is political social videos. And then Mediaholic is where we talk about movies and pop culture stuff. And then I also do my own videos on the Blaze's YouTube channel or on blazetv.com, uh, pseudo-intellectual. So. Yes, you have a lot of interesting perspectives. I especially love your takes on media and pop culture because I think they're so unique, especially in the conservative space. And you watch movies that I'm like, I've never even heard of that. And you come away with these like very incredible insights. I don't even, do you actually watch all of the movies and all of the content that you then talk about like all the way through? So I, I try, like my, my rule is if I'm talking about something and it's out, I will go watch it. But the thing is sometimes these series especially are very bad and very long. So I, I admit I have yeah. made videos where it's like it's a series and there's 10 episodes. I make it through two episodes. Yeah. I will, I'll always make a disclaimer that, that yeah, yeah, I didn't make it through, but I feel like I at least gave it a shot. And hey, if I don't if I don't finish it, it's kind of indicative of the quality. Like I am not a hard person to entertain. I watched a almost four hour long vlog about this random theme park in Utah that I've never been to <laughs> just because it was I thought it was interesting. So I'm not like a, you know, a, a hard person to get a hand to love if, if yeah. you want to sit me down and entertain me. So if I can't finish your movie or series that you spent like $100 million on, like that's on you. <laughs> yeah. What's Do you have a favorite movie of all time? Oh, that's really hard. I know. It's such, I just didn't know if you like have a go-to answer for that since you talk about this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it depends on my mood. So I mean, obviously the Lord of the Rings trilogy is kind Ooh. of a classic yeah. of that. I, I think the Two Towers is my favorite. But then if I'm in a, like a more fun mood, I really like Independence Day with Will Smith. That's a really corny okay. answer, but I feel like that was such a great action comedy movie. Like in my like preteen era, it has a special place in my heart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then what about TV? TV. What's, let me cool. let me reframe the question. What's like a new kind of TV show that you would recommend this audience watch? So new is really hard okay. because oftentimes <laughs> I, I'm not as into new shows, but. I, only Murders in the Building, I thought was a really fun. I tried, Lauren. I really? Tried. I did not like it. I thought it was, okay, so I ended up stopping the second season when they introduced this lesbian romance, and I was like, dang it, oh, no. Yeah. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even get to that. I'm sorry if there's a lot of Selena stands out there. I don't have any, like, personal investment in any beef Selena is in. Are you into true crime? She kind of, um, 
her role or maybe how she acted in the role, it bothered me. Mm. Understandable. She's not really, I feel like her character, no offense to, like she actually could be removed from the series entirely basically. Yeah. And it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. Yeah. It's more like the two like older men, but I understand from a marketing perspective why she's there. Yeah, me yeah. too. And it's really amazing how Steve Martin still looks the way that he does. I feel like he yes. hasn't aged since Father of the Bride. He's he's looked like that age, like 50s, 60s for at least two decades. Yeah. I'm not sure what's Which going on there. Which is pretty impressive. Yeah. And I like Martin Short. Yeah. So, okay, those are some good things to add to it until you get, I guess, to the second season. Yeah, which is so, and that's why it's hard to say like a new show that I like because I feel like there's such a, a push to put politics into shows or movies that nowadays when something new comes out, it's almost always going to be tainted in some way. Way. So yeah. I like I've been called a hater for criticizing a lot of shows, but I want to enjoy things. It'd be such an easier time yeah. if I liked everything I saw. But it's hard in this day and age. So most of the time I just I rewatch The Office. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We have to. And honestly, The Office still makes me laugh out loud. Yeah. I don't know how many times and Parks and Rec. They're very they're different, but I've learned to appreciate them both in their own uniqueness. And honestly, both of them can still make me laugh. Yeah, those are. And the world was great. better when the world was better when we could all laugh at something like The Office and mm -hmm. all just be kind of equally offended, but it was okay because right. we didn't take things personally. It's right. a different time. And it's sad that it's no longer like that because, I mean, they're even starting to remove scenes from The Office or these old shows because by the 2023 lens, they're no longer appropriate. Yeah. I don't know if you were aware of that. They actually have started to do that specifically have to The they, Office. Like uh, on Apple TV or on I on Peacock, at least. I know. So I don't know if you re remember the episode Dwight's Christmas. So, Which, what happens? So basically, Dwight, who if you don't watch The Office... You should. What he are you doing? He was in charge of the party. Yeah, he yeah. was trying to host a Christmas party, and he's kind of uh, this like Amish Pennsylvania Dutch type of character who's <laughs> yeah. a farmer, and he talks about this version of Santa Claus that they used to celebrate, and is kind of meant to be very austere and ridiculous, yeah, and that's wait, the joke. What does he call it? Um, I can't remember. I can't remember either. But something like that. Yeah. And there is this one part where uh, this Santa Claus character also has this slave friend that he brings. And in the scene, there is someone who actually dons blackface as part of the, like, look how ridiculous and antiquated this tradition is. So it, even in context, it's not like this is good or this is what we should do. Yeah. They're acknowledging that it's offensive. But that scene has actually been cut now. Yeah. It's kind of like, I think it was either episode one or episode two, diversity training. Oh, yeah. Where they all have to wear the different identities on their forehead <laughs> and they go around and they try to guess like what's on their forehead by asking stereotypes by asking or, questions yeah. and someone's like oh I might be a bad driver <laughs> and they don't want to say that it's Asian yeah oh my goodness I but that is like the beauty of the office and that was a time when I feel like everyone was more united because you could make fun of yourself mm -hmm. I mean obviously there are plenty of things in the office that a conservative Christian could probably be offended by oh of but course. we're the ones who are always told to just oh stop making such a big deal of it just tough it out it's fine but nowadays I'm sure that the gay community would be very sad about the depictions of Oscar. They mm -hmm. probably want to take out the line where Kevin says to Oscar, Oscar, have you heard about jail? <laughs> like, <laughs> love it there. Love it there. <laughs> no. But it's sad. You're right. And I think sometimes we 
are mistaken in saying that everyone is so easily offended because that's not true because like you mentioned christians and conservatives we are expected to just take the offense and not say anything it's only certain groups that we're not supposed to offend like the lgbt community depending on the election cycle sometimes it's the black community not always but it's 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 not a i guess equal playing field and that's what's really frustrating because you know it feels like you're selectively having to walk on eggshells which is not i think conducive to good comedy or good tv shows in general All right, quick pause to tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Cozy Earth. I absolutely love Cozy Earth. I love our Cozy Earth sheets. I love my loungewear. It's the softest. I absolutely am obsessed with the temperature regulating feature of my Cozy Earth sheets, especially when it's so hot, especially when I'm pregnant, y'all. It's hot at night. And so my Cozy Earth sheets just make it so much easier for me to sleep more comfortably. I swear by them. I don't like to put any other kinds of sheets on my bed because these are so amazing. Also, if you've got weddings coming up, it's wedding season, a good set of sheets or a good set of towels from Cozy Earth, that's a really, really great gift. That's like maybe one of the best and longest lasting gifts that you can give someone is a quality set of sheets. So I recommend you going to Cozy Earth. Check out their uh, bamboo. They use the Viscouse, which is just like very luxury and temperature regulating. Uh, Check them out. Buy a set for yourself. Buy a set for a friend. You can save 35% on Cozy Earth bedding now by going to CozyEarth.com slash Allie. Use code Allie to save that 35%. CozyEarth.com slash Allie, code Allie. Well, speaking of movies and pop culture, let's talk about an actress, Ellen Page, who now goes by the name Elliot Page and just wrote a book that came out, I think, called page boy and uh in an interview with the la times she uh described what her experience was before she uh, decided that she was actually the opposite sex and so here's what the la times article says and of course la times uses he him pronouns for Alan Page says, one night he tried to knock himself out, took his knuckles to his face and pounded over and over until bruises formed. It's really sad. For days after, he sat in a lawn chair on the porch, ashamed, his face sore, and then he heard a voice. You don't have to feel this way. It was a small voice, barely discernible, but it b- discernible, but it kept echoing in his head, a way out. It was as if something in my brain turned around, recalls Page, the agonizing voice saying, no, you're not. No, you can't just, you, no, you can't. Just switched and became a very gentle and loving, oh, maybe I'm trans. Why don't I explore that? Within weeks, he'd scheduled a Zoom consultation with the doctor to discuss top surgery. The procedure was scheduled for November. A month later, he announced to fans on Instagram who have known him since the release of Juno 13 years prior that his name was Elliot. Tell me what you make of that. So I think it's kind of interesting that someone can within weeks schedule a top surgery of questioning whether they are trans because we've been told that it's a very long process, it's very thorough, and there's no possible way that someone who isn't actually trans could get the surgery. But even just from that, it kind of seems like that's actually very, very possible. Like such a huge decision, even if it were just regular cosmetic surgery, obviously people could do what they want, but I wouldn't recommend doing that within weeks anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's not even something as as life-changing as changing your gender, at least trying to by getting different surgeries. So I think right there, that's a red flag. But also, 
Look, when it comes to Ellen Page, this is someone who grew up in Hollywood. Uh, she, from a young age, was actually a child actress as well. And so when we hear about all of these, especially child actors who are now adults having these mental health problems, I think it just goes to show how toxic an environment that is. Mm -hmm. And these are usually the most progressive people. They surround themselves with the, all the right politics, but they all have these problems. I mean, no one can stay married. There's addiction, like mental health issues, like transgenderism. And it's, I think it's a red flag just in general. Like if, if you're, if you're, principles and your ideology. It's all so good. Why are you all having such problems navigating life? And no one's perfect. No lifestyle, I think, is that easy to mm -hmm. keep to. But Hollywood, this liberal elite lifestyle especially seems to have a lot of baggage attached to it. And um, Hollywood and Washington, D.C. Yes. Just, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Cesspools, cesspools. Um, so yeah. yeah, Ellen Page, she was first lesbian, then married a woman. Now she's trans. I, this just seems like someone who's having a really tough time mentally. And I think the last thing that she actually needs is people being like, sure, you're trans, whatever, gay, then okay, surgeries, go for it. You're brave, stunning. I think she actually needs more help than she's getting, but in a very different way. I, I don't think the answer to her mental health problems are these new labels or new lifestyles. I think she she actually needs someone to show her some guidance and maybe even some spiritual guidance as well, because it seems like she's only going deeper and deeper into I mean, a, a, a pit of, I would say, self-destructive behavior. Yeah. And it's really sad. I mean, this description of when she figured out that she, or she says that she figured out that she was transgender, uh, she heard like this, basically this still small voice after she had tried to harm her body. And so mm -hmm. obviously there was something else going on psychologically there, as you pointed out. And I hear this a lot, especially from detransitioners who say, you know, at the time, no one questioned why I wanted to get these surgeries or why I wanted to go on cross-sex hormones. But the truth was I was depressed. I was bipolar. I had an eating disorder. Or yeah. a lot of times, especially with these girls who tried to transition, they had a history of, you know, sexual violence that they didn't want to open up about. I don't know if that's true of Ellen Page or if she's talked about that. But I hear that a lot from these detransitioners. And because it's politically incorrect to try to pump the brakes, these doctors doctors just sign off on it and say, yeah, go for it, mutilate your body. And, you know, for a period of time, these girls who go on testosterone, they do feel better because testosterone makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. It can kind of assuage for a little bit those feelings of depression and anxiety can make you feel better about your body because you're getting stronger, your voice is getting deeper. And so it's this false confidence. But I totally agree with you. I think it is a mask that is not going to last long. And at the end of the day, when she's still depressed, when she's still anxious, she's going to blame it on the fact that, you know, not enough people really accept her as a man. No, definitely. And I think in that story, just the part that you read out, it's kind of interesting how she talks about self-harm. And then a, a paragraph or so later says, oh, yeah, and I'm scheduling my top surgery. It's like, yeah. well, is that not just another form of self-harm that you're doing with this time yeah. with the consent of the medical or the encouragement of the medical community? True. So it's just, it's upsetting. And I know a lot of people don't like Ellen Page because of her politics. She's very vocally, very progressive. But I think ultimately we should all be praying for and have empathy for someone who, if nothing else, is going through mental health troubles. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, I just have, I just have to point out as a Christian, like the existence of spiritual warfare and all of us have, you know, I mean, it's kind of a cartoon depiction that is not really theologically 
correct, but the angel on one shoulder, the devil on one shoulder Mm -hmm. that we saw, you know, a Bugs Bunny or whatever it was 50 years ago. And one side is telling you to do the bad thing. The other side is telling you to do the good thing. And while that's not necessarily the accurate depiction of what spiritual warfare is, it still is a true concept that there is a fight over souls. There is a fight over hearts. There is a fight over bodies. That Satan hates your soul. He hates your heart. He hates your body. He hates that you're made in the image of God. And he likes this confusion and chaos and self-mutilation. So when she says that she hears a voice that says, you are something that you're not, and this will fix your problems, I mean, it's really not that different than what Satan said to Eve in the garden that you can be like God. Mm-hmm. Did God really say you can have power like God? And that's basically what this whole self-identity movement is. You can be like God. And I just think that they realize all too late that it was a lie from the get-go. Right. And this, I mean, you wrote an entire book about how it's, you know, trying to trust in yourself, follow your own heart, do what makes you happy is not actually a recipe for joy or meaning in life. But I think ultimately people like Ellen Page, that's the route they're going through. Like, oh, I like my whims lead me toward this. Therefore, it must be good. It must be true. I mean, unfortunately, we're seeing the results of that. I mean, if your own heart was such a dependable compass, then why can you go from someone who's in a, who's a lesbian in a, this relationship, but now trans, it's almost as if our own whims are fleeting yeah. and not something that we should be, I guess, basing moral truths off of. Yeah. Gosh. And just... Uh, Everything that you just said times a thousand for kids. Yes. Because if we as adults, we have fully formed frontal lobes and we can't follow our hearts. They're still desperately sick, as Jeremiah 17, 9 says. The fact that we're pushing this on kids and we're just saying, follow your heart, follow your mind. I mean, they're babies. They don't even have the capacity to think about what's good for me. And what's so something about Ellen Page that I do find very disturbing is that she's been wearing the shirt that says protect trans kids. Of course, this falls in line with her liberal politics. She's also very vocally against states like Tennessee or Texas that are trying to say, hey, you know what? If you're a child, probably shouldn't be taking all of these drugs or getting surgeries to, you know, permanently mutilate your bodies. And so that is kind of that's that's pretty disturbing. And I think Mm -hmm. it, it speaks to how warped her sense of morality is. And, you know, this is something that I would love to say is just Hollywood, but it's actually someone like Ellen Page saying, yes, mutilate the kids, hormones, surgery, whatever. It's it's sickening to think that they're actually more accepted in like polite society or definitely corporate society. Like it's it's controversial to say what we're saying, but saying like being on the Ellen Page side of things, like, hey, I've totally chopped off fine. my breasts and I think kids should be able to do it. Like that actually nowadays is the correct position. Yeah. It's just kind of the principle. I talked about it last week too. Logan Hall pointed it out on Twitter that the left rewards their fringes and the right punishes ours. That is so true. I can't believe Logan Paul said that. No, no, no. Did I say Logan Paul? I said Logan Hall. Oh, Hall. Okay. I was like, I am so surprised. Like, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What if he said something that broken clock? I guess. Good (laughs) for him. That's so funny. Maybe I did say Logan Paul. (laughs) It's Logan Hall. Probably just misheard it. But yeah, that you're absolutely. (laughs) He was a conservative commentator, and he was talking about like these politicians who fail miserably. Chesa Boudin. Yeah. 
in San Francisco, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, and then they go on to have these prestigious and well-paying jobs. Like yes. Stacey Abrams. Fauci, all yeah. of these people. You don't have to worry about it. This journalist that I talked about last week, EJ Dixon, who emailed me and was like, I'm going to include you in this article about transphobia, literally has a history of the earliest article I could find was 2014, where she said that people should resist their knee-jerk reactions to adults having sex with children. And so she is just out. She defended cuties. She calls like concerns about child sex trafficking, like QAnon conspiracy theories. But she's a senior writer at Rolling Stone. And she's been writing this stuff for at least a decade. But she's writing an article about how people like you and I are extreme Mm -hmm. because we just say... Yeah, I men can't actually become women. Yeah, and that that is that that's as much a combination condemnation of the right as it is the left. Because I was talking with my husband about this. I feel like on the right, you're just you're actually more likely to get canceled, even by your own sides, by being too Christian or too conservative than being too liberal. If that makes sense, um, and I feel like it's it. I understand it in, in a sense because we're as conservatives, we're already we're so. I guess, marginalized by modern day culture. Like, you know, we we don't want to, I guess, have our movement go any, be any less popular with the world or with our friends or our employers. But at the same time, you know, if we're only doing things to appease the left, we're going to be disappointed regardless because they will hate us no matter what, unless we full on take on their own values. Totally. So yeah, that's something that I've been frustrated with sometimes. All right, next sponsor for the day is Good Ranchers. Y'all know how much I love Good Ranchers, how much I talk about them. Not even when I have an ad to read for them, I love them so much because we use them all the time. I love their craft beef. I love their better than organic chicken. Their fajita chicken is great for tacos. I love making tacos. Their ground beef is probably what we use the most because it's just so versatile. But then their non-pre-marinated uh, chicken is really great too because you can use it for anything. It's just comforting knowing that I have good you. USA meat in my freezer at all times. It reduces anxiety. It's one less thing to think about. It shows up at your front door on dry ice. You don't have to worry about going to the grocery store, picking all this stuff out. Plus, you don't have to worry about all the rising costs that you see every day on meat in the grocery store. It's really affordable with Good Ranchers. And again, it just makes your life easier. Um, And plus, with Father's Day coming up, I think you can maybe still get this in. I would go ahead and order a box of Good Ranchers. It'd be a really, really great present. Uh, go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout. You'll save $30 on your order. You'll save $30 on your order by going to GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie at checkout. GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. So tell me if you think that this really happened. So Ellen Page um, also said it happened to be on the same day that her book uh, was coming out. That's coincidental. I, it's crazy. crazy. I know. Yeah. It's so crazy. Uh, that She says that she was standing on a corner in West Hollywood outside the Pink Dot convenience store when an angry stranger allegedly approached her shouting obscenities, I'm going to effing gay bash you, F-A, the, you know, F-A-G. Uh, Paige ran toward the store in fear. Uh, employees at the store escorted page uh into the shop but the man allegedly followed her and stood at the store's doorway reportedly yelling this is why i need a gun do you think that that happened so if ellen page had just said i was almost accosted by a crazy homeless man in la i would believe it yeah because it's la but she seems to be trying to say like this is 
how dangerous it is to be openly queer in society. So the reason why I just I question this is because from what I can tell, I've been trying to look, there have been no pink dot employees that have come forward and said, yeah, uh, you know, this happened. There's been no police reports filed. And obviously what happened was illegal. You can't threaten someone. You can't harass someone like that. Um, so I, I kind of question that. But also, Ellen Page, even before her transition, I'm sorry, but she never looked anything other than a woman, even after her transition still yeah. kind of just looks like so the idea that she would be targeted like that is questionable to me um it kind of to me and i'm not accusing anyone of anything for legal reasons but it kind of reminds me of the jesse smollett story where he was so narcissistic he assumed everybody would know so up in his own business he assumed that everyone would believe that oh obviously he would be recognized as the person from that tv show it's like I had never watched it. I, I don't yeah. think most people had. I think Ellen Page is so wrapped up in her own gender identity. She just walks around thinking, oh, like, obviously, I'm a queer person. You you just look like a middle-aged woman with a haircut. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, the fact that she would be just on site identified as queer and targeted for that questionable. And also in I've Hollywood. Not, in Hollywood. Right. And I, I just haven't really heard a lot of people use gay bash as a verb. Yeah, I don't even know really what I'm that going means. to gay bash you. Yeah, I, I don't like Very as strange. A, Speaking yeah. of Jesse Smollett, we do have a clip of Ellen Page where she was defending him adamantly and saying that um, his story is obviously true. So here's that. We have a media that's saying it's a debate whether or not what just happened to Jesse Smollett is a hate crime. It's absurd. Mm -hmm. This isn't a debate. Okay. So she took that hook, line, and sinker. Of course, yeah. now we know that that's not true, that these men were paid to attack him in the polar vortex in Chicago and say, this is MAGA country, yes. and put a noose around his neck. And he's so just so strong and valiant that he was able to get away from them, of right. course. Of course. So very similar story. So in these liberal strongholds, we've got people who are courageous enough to be openly, violently anti-gay like you're not even gonna find that kind of behavior in most places in the bible belt right no it's it is suspicious and i'm not sure if you're familiar with matt christensen and his videos but he kind of does it's almost a series now just debunking all of these fake hate crimes and i think thankfully we're at a place in a point in society where yeah you can be different and you not necessarily going to be targeted but you know if you have these progressive policies it's almost like the demand for hate crimes is outstripping the supply. So we do have people who are fabricating these things. I mean, I hope that it's almost I don't even know what to hope for. Do I hope that she's lying or that society is a, such a place where, you know, someone would be threatened just for walking down the street? But the timing of it, of her talking about it with her new book release, I think it's understandable that people are skeptical. Yeah, I think so, too. There are a lot of people that are surmising some things behind the scenes. There's a rumor that I saw circulating about like who her personal trainer might be, who is also a personal trainer to other stars, who pushes a lot of like interesting experimental drugs. I, mm. We don't have verified quite yet if he is connected to Ellen Page. So I'm not going to say I'm going to leave it until I can verify that fact. But there's always things going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I don't even think we fully know the corruption and ugliness and depravity that goes on in Hollywood. Like I said, also Washington, D.C., but that's another thing for another day. I mean, there are conspiracies surrounding Hollywood and things like that that maybe aren't helpful. But to be honest, I think that there is a lot of sickness there that most of the world doesn't know about. 
Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, these are this is the same industry that protected uh, Weinstein for I mean, decades, decades, decades and decades. And we hear people talk about now how it was an open secret, but no one at the time seemed to come forward. How many different child stars need to explain that they were abused by their handlers, by people on set, studio execs? This, I mean, this the sickness, it, it basically touches every part of life in Hollywood, it seems like from, you know, marriages being broken, infidelity, drug use, obviously uh, depraved politics. Uh, it there's no end. And so I'm not really surprised that Hollywood more so than the rest of society has really latched onto the gender thing specifically. And it does seem like Ellen is being enabled. I mean, look at she's on that show, The Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. I watched the first I season. It. It's kind of weird. But um, she plays a female character on that. But that you know, she came out as trend. And so what the show did is they also made the character trend so that she can stay on and it can. So it's just like you can see that she's definitely being enabled and she's definitely getting, I think, a lot more attention when it comes to her gender stuff than she has for acting in years and yeah. years. It's crazy that we're not even allowed to question it because I have seen her hoisted up by all these people, her new book and how this is her authentic self. It's like this is it's always seen as authentic and real if you do something like come out as gay mm-hmm. or come out as bi or come out as trans. Because we know celebrities never just do stuff for attention. Yeah. Like that, they would never do that. Or there can't uh, be any other factors into why, like playing into why you would make this big mm-hmm. life change. But then when you have people, like I've had people on my show who say, you know, I lived a gay lifestyle and then I became a Christian. And some of those people still like have the same feelings, but they've repented and they live a life in accordance to like God's word. And then some people, like I had a professor on the other day, she was a queer theorist professor. She was in a long-term lesbian relationship and then she became a Christian leader. She got married and and all of that. Or people who detransition and they realize it was never real. Those people by the same ones who say everyone should be themselves and we should accept everyone as they are. Speak your truth. Yeah, they don't see those people as authentic. They see those people as grifters and mm-hmm. those people doing things for attention and those people living a lie. It's only authentic to change your life in one direction, but never the other. Right, because it's almost like it's not actual about actually about authenticity. It's just about undermining societal norms like heteronormativity, Christian marriages, and things like that. That's why they, they only encourage things to go one way when they see it as useful for subverting anything they see as traditional or conservative. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, I haven't talked about this yet. I wanted to discuss this Lululemon story that I think that you've talked about, that these women, they, okay, so let me tell people, in case that they in case they don't know. So two female employees say they were fired from a Georgia store branch of Lululemon for confronting store robbers, uh, thieves, and calling local law enforcement on them. The incident occurred earlier in May when Jennifer Ferguson and another woman, they called the police on a group of men wearing face coverings entering the store in broad daylight, stealing about $7,000 worth of clothing. Um They were uh, fired from Lululemon over a Zoom call for violating corporate policy, and they apparently are not supposed to be calling the police. Um, And uh, I've heard different things from Lululemon saying, oh, no, that's not really why they got fired. didn't have to do with that. But then the CEO of Lululemon said, well, it's just merchandise. It's just merchandise. So it doesn't need, it doesn't solicit a call to law enforcement. What do you think about all this? What's your assessment? So this is this is something that we've been seeing increasingly in like big cities where we have 
shoplifting run amok. And it's not just shoplifting. It kind of goes hand in hand with different crimes. But I'm sure you guys have seen, if you're on social media, all of that footage of these department stores being looted, Nikes, and just people running. It's almost like it's the Wild West. There, yeah. there are no laws. It's you do whatever. So you can actually see the video that you're talking about online. Um, these women, they're just one of them is filming and they're basically just saying, stop, you can't you can't do this. Stop. And obviously the thieves are going at it now uh, bec- due to that footage and the fact that they called the cops, the the thieves were actually arrested and charged I yeah. think the next day. Um, Good. And so for Lululemon to say like, oh, no, it's 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 just merchandise. I mean, it's easy for the CEO to say that, yeah. but I think if you're put yourself in in these women's shoes, like this is your community, this is where you live, right? It's not just you're going through something I would say pretty traumatic at work. You're being stolen from at work. That I I would say that's traumatic. But these are this is a criminal element in your neighborhood. It's it doesn't just end with theft. You know, all of the, these things go hand in hand. I mean, we had a story. I think it was in uh, San Francisco where a, a security guard was trying to stop a thief who then threatened him with a knife, and so that ended up escalating. And I think she was shot. But it's like it doesn't all, it doesn't end with. Yeah. theft, right? It's almost as if people who are willing to break one law are willing to break another. And these different companies, they're trying to seem progressive, I think, by saying like, oh, no, we we don't call cops. But I think that shows a lack of understanding for the employees that yeah. basically they're they're kind of they're putting in a really hard situation. It's not the yeah. CEO that's basically being, um, you know, held up like that. And I think right. you'd probably take take a different stance if he was yeah. the one who was actually getting robbed. So yeah. uh, it's very discouraging. And like as as a suburban mom, you know, Lululemon, that should be my thing. But I, I just can't support brands that do this now. It's the same with the Target thing. I know. Quintavious Gooch, Braylon Shivers, Bayo Allen were all arrested and charged with felony robbery. Thanks to these girls, thanks to these women, I mm-hmm. should say, doing the right thing. And, you know, the CEO said on MSNBC or sorry, on CNBC that it's only merchandise. But the reason that they have a no a zero tolerance policy when it comes to intervening with a robbery is because they care about the safety of our team, of our guests, front and center. So I think that's strange because we're told from an early age, especially as girls, um, if you're ever scared you need to, and you're by yourself, call the police, call right. 911. So I'm sure that they were scared for their imminent safety too. These are a bunch of men, I think armed men, or even if they couldn't see the guns my guess would be that, that they're they armed. Are, yeah. So yeah, they probably weren't thinking about the merchandise either. They were probably thinking about themselves because of course that's what you do. And I just think in so many situations today, whether it's a situation like this um, where you're not supposed to call the police. I also saw that Oxfam, which is a big organization that they recently um, that it was uncovered that part of their training for the people who work for them is that white women centered feminism is actually calling uh, causing the epidemic of sexual assault and that white woman tears um, are weaponized in a way that actually harms the uh, you know black and brown perpetrators of rape and I'm just seeing this trend. I'm seeing this trend of basically telling women that you need to suppress your instincts, Mm -hmm. suppress that like natural feeling that we have inside of like, I'm unsafe. I feel dangerous. I do not want a man in the bathroom next to me. I don't want to change in front of a man in a locker room. And when we raise our voices, which just a couple of years ago in the Me Too movement, we were told to do, we're told, hush, 
be quiet. No more white woman tears. No more putting these marginalized communities, whether it's the trans community or whether they would say it's black and brown people at risk. Stop sounding the alarm. Just be quiet and take it. That's a trend that I'm seeing a lot right now. You're so right. We just saw it on a national level with the whole city bike fiasco. Yes. I mean, this six-month pregnant woman uh, got into what should have just been a a stupid petty misunderstanding or conflict with some uh, teens about a, a city rental bike. It shouldn't have been national news by any means, but it blew up because she was accused of weaponizing her white woman tears and fake crying. And there are actually people who were who were pushing the idea that the six month pregnant woman came up to a group of young men or teens and then just decided to steal their bike or steal something from them. A scenario that I'm pretty sure race aside has never happened in the history of anything. Right. right? Exactly. I, a pre- six-month pregnant woman going up to a group of like five men and trying As the to- aggressor. Right. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Um, but you had so many people, especially uh, on the progressive side, saying this happens all the time. Like this is just a flashpoint of what black and brown people face every day because you have these white Karens who are trying to play the victim. And it's like clearly this is just resentment against white women um, being taken out on this, you know, what was a a poor nurse or a doctor's aide or something like that. Yeah, she was a nurse and she ended up at least temporarily getting suspended from her position because she was wearing her scrubs, Mm -hmm. probably going home from work. And I guess it had the name of the hospital on there. And with these city bike things, in case people don't know, you like have an app and you rent the bike and you put your payment information and then that um, unlocks the bike from the bike rack and then, you know, you ride it to wherever you need to go and you can put it on the bike rack there. She was trying to take the bike out. This dude, this teenager comes up and is like, no, this is mine. And all the video shows is them going back and forth on it. And she's obviously getting, fr- she was a lot more like actually like, uh, I don't want to say aggressive, but a lot braver than I would have been. I think Probably I would have walked yeah. away a lot more quickly than that. Maybe she was raised in New York and she was <laughs> like, this is just what I do. I would have walked away a lot more quickly, but she was probably like ready to get home. Who knows? Yeah. She, maybe she has kids at home and she's like, no, I'm going to get home. I just paid for this bike. And but for some reason online, everyone was like, oh, no, this is a white woman. As mm-hmm. you said, stealing from this young black man. This is just how it goes. And uh, it turned out like that we uh, she was able to show the receipts. She had paid for it. She did rent the bike. Maybe it was a genuine misunderstanding or maybe this group of teens thought it would be funny to try to steal a bike from a vulnerable, isolated pregnant woman. Either of those cases are far more likely than a pregnant woman coming up and trying to steal a bike from a man. Right. Not just a man, a group of men. They yeah. were like, you know, him and several of his friends. So it was, no, that was crazy. And it's kind of interesting how with the Lululemon thing and just in general, we hear a lot of attacking like the concept of gentrification and like prioritizing yes. white safety and things like that. And I think the issue there is that, yeah, you know, white women are still women, but ultimately I think a lot of suburban moms, especially we we want things like safety and law and order. And it's all fun to be like, oh, yeah, I'm open minded. But I think a lot of suburban women, when it comes to things like crime, they're actually not that interested in saying like, oh, whatever goes, especially when you have kids in schools. And we also saw suburban mom come out in droves uh, when, it, you know, something like the Virginia election and the very strong supporters of school choice. So I think, you know, all of these little issues, the progressive movement are picking up on like, oh, well, maybe these suburban moms aren't our are, are close allies. And therefore, basically, they're willing to throw you under the bus because, oh, wait, we have more marginalized people that we should be caring about and therefore you should just shut up. 
Okay, for my next ad, it's a little bit of an uncomfortable topic, but it's a necessary one because what's inevitable in life? Death and taxes. We're not talking about taxes. We are talking about death, something that's going to happen to you and your spouse, and you just need to make sure that your family is taken care of when you die. Hopefully, it's in 50 plus years. But no matter when it happens, you just want to make sure that everything is set in place so that your kids especially are taken care of. I know it's overwhelming with the money that it costs, the time and the energy, hiring lawyers and all of that. That's why Epic Will exists. They make it really, really easy. In under five minutes, only for $119, you can get your last will and testament. They give you a template. You fill it in. You're good to go. It's legally binding, all that good stuff. They really do make it so quick and easy. Plus, if you are a single mom, you've got kids under the age of 18 at home, then you get this totally for free. They just have a heart for single moms. They want to make this easy for you to make sure your family is taken care of. Plus, if you go to epicwill.com slash Allie, A-L-L-I-E, everyone saves 10% on your complete will package. So you can get a really good discount by going to epicwill.com slash Allie to get that 10% off. Epicwill.com slash Allie. Did you see that viral video that was going around yesterday of that woman who was getting berated by a guy behind the phone? He was filming her, calling her a gentrifier, calling her because this was a white woman that had moved into a neighborhood in New Orleans. And now I will say that this guy's initial complaint, I guess the guy, he's behind the camera, but I think he's black. And so I think he's making the point, all these white people moving in from different parts, you're gentrifying it, you're making our neighborhood worse because he says he grew up there. He was very rude calling her uh, calling her the B word, calling her all kinds of very mm. disrespectful things. She is being calm. I will say his original beef is probably like justified. She apparently had cut off the um, the entire road because she wanted to host a party and he claims that she didn't tell him. So I'm like, yeah, that would be annoying. But yeah. then he, you know, takes it to the next level, is like very, very aggressive towards her and calls her a ginger fire and stuff. And I guess I'm confused about gentrification because on the one hand, I remember hearing about this in college that part of where I was was being gentrified and it was so terrible. And I was like, I'm confused because on the one hand, you're told when white people- White flight. Yes. That's terrible. Yes. You move in somewhere, it's gentrification. You move out of somewhere, it's white flight. Yeah. And if it's white flight and then you don't have as, you know, you don't have a Trader Joe's anymore or you don't have the Walgreens open or whatever it is. And then- you know, you're accused of being racist in that way. So I'm confused what white people are supposed to do and where they're supposed to go. Well, they're just they're just supposed to just not move anywhere and not give exist. all of their money to social justice causes. And that's the thing. It's like, it's basically, it's not what white people are doing. It's who they are. They just resent the idea of whiteness. I mean, we've seen how, who knows how many activists at this point come out and say like whiteness is the problem. They'll, they'll just flat out say it. So when we see people complaining about things like gentrification or white flight, yeah, they're like, they're trying to say, oh, it's just what these white people are doing, but ultimately these people are racist, right? Because, I mean, if you actually are not a racist, it shouldn't be a big deal whether white people are coming in and and moving. And we could talk about rising property costs that affect everybody of different races. And of course, that's a problem. But no, the fact that they are so race obsessed, I think it, it is down to prejudice, unfortunately. And I think that especially in you know a, a lot of these city environments, there are tensions that are growing because we're, we're bombarded in the media just of these stories nonstop of, you know, for example, white cops killing black people. I, I saw online there was a, I mean, a, take it for what it's worth, but a, a Twitter space. And there was actually this progressive activist who estimated that like 
3 million black people or something per year were killed by cops who are unarmed. And it's like, are you are you kidding me? But I mean, yeah. hey, if you're just going by what the media is showing, maybe you're right. If if, if all you see is news story after news story after news story of, you know, like, oh, a, a, pre- a white woman steals a bike from a black man. Oh, this uh, old white man shoots a kid on his cop. Like the media does highlight these stories. It wouldn't be hard to basically accept that. Like, maybe they do. Like maybe white people do. They are just out to get us they're they're robbing black people they're shooting us in the street but obviously that's that's not the case yeah. and i think until the media started stirring things up race relations were improving they'd been improving for generations so i mean ultimately what i'm trying to say is i blame the media yeah and well <laughs> yeah. ironically it was also the presidency of barack obama yes. and some of the rhetoric that he employed that i think took a lot of things backwards. And the fact of the matter is the sad truth is that it's much more likely for a white person to be a victim of violent crime perpetrated by a black person than the other way around. Even though the black population is very small, there's a disproportionate amount of violent crime committed there. No one's saying that's good. No one's saying that's because of some like innate characteristic that's just saying that's just the way it is. And if the media actually portrayed things accurately, I'm not suggesting that they are constantly highlighting the other kinds of crimes either and highlighting the race. But when you only highlight race, Mm -hmm. when it's a white person committing violence against a black person and never highlight the race when it's the other direction, like you said, of course people are going to get the wrong impression. The true answer is that I think it's about two dozen on average unarmed black men that are killed by the police every year, which is a lower number than the white arm or the the white unarmed men killed by the police. Um, and so, yeah, it's a huge gap between reality and perception because of a lot of the things that we're just told. Right. And what's really frustrating is that Elon Musk recently encountered this. You can't even explain why the media coverage is biased by bringing up crime statistics saying, actually, the media representation is not reflective of reality because then you get called racist for talking about those crime statistics. But it's like, hang on, we can't even debunk media lies or progressive bias without then being also called racist. Obviously. And I yeah. mean, at this point, who cares about being called racist by the left? Uh, I think they overplayed that hand yeah. back in 2016, but that is still their go-to and it's really frustrating. And yeah. I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of people are just so hesitant to trust anything the media says. And it shouldn't be that way. Like, you should be able to trust a media or at least think that they're not really lying to you outright. But in this day and age when most journalists are also activists, like we have to question it. Yeah. And just and just to clarify that statistic that I said, I'm not saying that like the police never do anything wrong or that like all police shootings are justified. I certainly don't think that whether it's like a white or a black victim. But I will say that like where I get that number is from the Washington Post database of police shootings. And I will also say that their definition of unarmed is very sketchy. Unarmed doesn't always mean unjustified. A person could be trying to run over a cop with a car. I've seen that. Yes. Sean Fitzgerald, actual justice warrior, talks about that how sometimes unarmed actually means they were trying to commit a hit and run or something like trying to run someone over or a cop over, but they got shot, but they'll still count that as being Or they were grabbing for a gun or something like that. So even that number 24 unarmed doesn't necessarily mean 24 unjustified. Right. Um, so anyway, there's, yeah, there's a and lot, there's always stories behind the stats. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say one more thing. Cause yeah. I've, I've been, um, you know, anytime I bring up something with police shootings and I'll, I'll have people say like, Oh, well, if you're, if you acknowledge that the, the police are sometimes wrong, like then why are you against stuff like BLM? And it's like, because I don't think you can solve a problem without correctly 
articulating it, mm. right? So there's a difference between saying, of course, police should have accountability. Let's totally. have more body cams. Let's have really good training. Let's have high standards so that you don't have, I think it was in uh, Memphis, actually, there were some cops that honestly should not have been cops in the first place because yeah. they did not meet standards, but standards were lowered for basically political reasons. They were having trouble recruiting. But um, there's a big difference between solving a problem of more accountability and better resources, better training, better equipment versus systemic racism. So, you know, we can all agree that, yeah, police should be held to a high standard, maybe do better. But if if we're, you know, peddling, it's because they're all racist or because capitalism or white supremacy, then no, we do need to go back to the drawing board and explain specifically what is the problem. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to fix it. Totally. Um, another problem that I don't know that we're able to fix because so many people are scared to talk about it is mass migration, especially in Europe. I saw you comment on this story and we'll play the thought. It's really, really sad. There's is apparently a Syrian, quote unquote, refugee who um, stabbed four young children this week between the ages of one and three at a playground um, in a park that's a city in the French Alps. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but we've got a video of him trying to do that. Yeah, so very, very frightening. Now, if you look at the media coverage of this, um, it's conveniently missing from a large portion of the reporting that this person is a Syrian refugee. You commented, this is just called cultural enrichment by the quote unquote diversity is our strength crowd. So tell us what you mean by that. So I, this is something I've been very vocal on for years and years, and I've gotten a lot of flack, but you know, there are a lot of Western countries right now that when it comes to refugees, they're basically taking an open border approach. It's like, oh, you know, you're claiming asylum, sure, come in, whatever. And as someone who has been through the legal immigration process, I know that if you if you come legally to, for example, the United States, you have to do basically a, a criminal background check. You have to go to your own country's you know, p a police force or whatever it is, and you can't have a criminal record, which is very understandable. There's a, a lot of hoops you need to jump through. But when you are claiming asylum or you want refugee status, basically little to none of that applies. Um, so what happens is that there are definitely people able who are who are coming through to different countries, Canada, the United States, Europe, seeing it a lot, um, where they frankly, they are criminals or they do have mental health problems and you you aren't able to vet them because, you know, oftentimes if a country is somewhere where you can claim asylum from, they don't have the infrastructure to be able to verify whether their own citizens are criminals or not. And yeah. that's just... I mean, that's just fact. And never mind, that's assuming that if people are even coming with papers, which oftentimes, you know, Lauren Southern did a documentary about this, uh, these people will be throwing away their papers because they don't actually want to be identified because there's a chance that, hey, maybe they shouldn't actually qualify for asylum. Um, there are a lot of issues with the way that migration is happening toward Western countries. We are not allowed to talk about it, though, because we are called racist or we are called xenophobic. Um, if you look at Europeans, especially, they're you know, new arrivals are disproportionately more responsible for crime than native born population. This is something that is affecting a lot of people's lives. But again, it's not politically expedient to talk about. So no one's mentioning anything about it. But, uh, you know, France, especially there's hate crimes against Christians that are now happening. There have been terror attacks uh, in different European countries where you know, the person has come into the country and not been vetted. 
and still nothing nothing is being done. So it's it's frustrating. Yeah. There was this girl, and this is a recent story. It was towards the end of last year. I'm sure you remember this 12-year-old girl in Paris whose body was found inside a plastic trunk. Um, she was murdered by a group of migrants, of refugees, and she was brutal. I mean, all murder is brutal, obviously, yeah. but this was especially just... Heinous. And here's how NBC reports this gruesome killing of 12 year old girl shocks France and sparks far right backlash. So that had to make it into the headline. Mm -hmm. And half of the story is about how conservatives are using this as some kind of anti-immigration push as if that's completely illogical, as if it's right. worse. And this is what they do. It's worse to be racist than it is to say, hey, I think this is a problem. We should probably protect our French children. She's not the first or even close to the only young woman who has been brutally murdered by these migrants. And unfortunately, this is a pattern. This is according to an article in The Spectator. Um, in Time magazine, uh, the most livable city uh, in France, they said in 2004, is the city of, N I think you pronounce it not. It's N-A-N-T-E-S. Um, but now it is considered more violent than Bogota, Colombia. The cases of rape in the city doubled from 2016 to 2021, the period when its socialist mayor took pride in welcoming migrants into the city. 41% of people in the city for are arrested that are arrested for anything are foreign. And again, this is not to say that these migrants are innately worse than people who live in other areas. I don't know if it's culture. I don't know what it is. Whatever the factor is, the fact of the matter is, is that whether it's Sweden, whatever different parts of Europe, they are taking the lion's share of the mm -hmm. crime and in particular, the sexually violent crime. And we're just not allowed to say anything about it. Right. And I think look at it this way. I think if you are, uh, for example, a young single woman, would you want to go backpacking in Syria alone? Why not? Oh, because it's more dangerous. OK, why is it more dangerous, though? Where exactly does that crime come from? It's the, the you're you're afraid of the other people there, right? And that's not to say that every Syrian so by no means, but obviously there's there's a higher crime rate. What would happen if we we take that same population and then we put it in, I don't know, El Paso, Texas? D would we expect different results because of magic dirt? Like, you know, yeah. why why exactly yeah. would we expect different results? And you say, but hang on, you just said not all Syrians, right? Not all Syrians. So maybe if we do let in someone, we should be able to check who yeah. they are, right? No matter where they come from, No matter from, where by they the way. come from. Yeah. And, and that's that's a pretty simple thing. Yeah, hashtag not all immigrants, not all refugees, but then why can't we check to see which ones? Because like you said, if if it's not all of them, then yeah. vetting shouldn't be, shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't be an issue. And I mean, obviously that's not to say that borders should just be open as long as you're not a criminal because there's economic and cultural things there. But if we could at least say, hey, let's stop letting in people right. unvetted and the criminals, that's at least a little bit better than what's going <laughs> on right least. now. And that should be bare minimum. Right. You would you would think so. And, you know, this is obviously a big problem in Europe, but this is happening in southern border as well uh, in the United States. And it actually it happens in Canada, too. But the, uh, you know, Canada is not really next to any any borders uh, of developing nations, but there are actually migrants that come through the U.S. and then keep going to Canada because we have a very strong social safety net in Canada. Um, but it's this is a problem that's affecting so many different Western countries. And I think, you know, if, if leftist journalists especially are worried about hashtag the far right, then they should be 
at the forefront of trying to make sure that people who yeah. come in are safe because guess what if you actually are someone on the far right then you do like stories like this yeah and I think you know if I if I look at some of the the far right commenters and you know, profiles on social media that they, this is the type of thing that they are warning about so wouldn't you want to I guess assuage their as, exactly yeah. take take the wind out of their sails yeah. and say like no no it's you know we we don't have this problem because we're solving it we don't need to go as far right as you guys are because we can fix it uh, just with the center but they don't they, see it as a problem though they yeah. don't see it as a problem because again it goes back to like their just crazy ideas about whiteness and white privilege mm-hmm. is that you're like weaponizing fear. And that I've even heard some of these activists say safety shouldn't necessarily be your priority. Safety is a privilege. When it comes to migration, but not COVID, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or when it comes to crime that might happen to be committed by someone who is black or brown, you should think about the harm that you're causing before you call the police. But so this is an uncomfortable story. In the Daily Mail, this was reported last July. The title said the title of the article is Migrant Who Raped a Boy in France says it is normal in his home country. He's an Afghan migrant to France. He moved to northern France in 2018. He was sentenced, thankfully, to 15 years in jail. But here's what he said. His statement was Um, In my country, it is normal to have sexual relations with young boys because women are inaccessible. When I arrived in France, I did not know your laws. But since then, I learned that it was prohibited. So... That's the thing that we're not supposed to know Oopsie, about. didn't know the law, I yeah. guess. You're not supposed to talk about cultural differences at yeah. all, though. No, you can't. And actually, there there have been debates about whether um, migrants, aside from checking things like criminal background, they should also be subject to, I guess, those kind of cultural compatibility tests. And leftists, at least in places like the UK, Canada, and Australia, have vehemently Uh, oppose such a concept because obviously moral relativism, all cultures are beautiful. We can't expect people who come to live in our countries to have our same values. Why would we even want that? Because then we would be missing out on the diversity. It's like, (laughs) this is a pretty low bar to say like, hey, actually you shouldn't rape anybody, like let alone children. Um, And unfortunately, like even saying that perhaps different cultures might have more of a tolerance to that, that is also considered a right-wing talking point. All right, last sponsor for the day, and that is Birch Gold. You've probably been hearing about the whole debt drama going on in Congress. I don't have all the answers to that, but I do know that we are constantly feeling the effects of destabilization, and we don't know what the future holds when it comes to the economy. So you just want to make sure to hedge against a lot of those changes and make sure that you're investing in hard assets. And a really popular company to do that with is Birch Gold. They've got tons of five-star reviews from their customers. People love working with Birch Gold. And you can diversify a portion of your savings into gold. You can do that with the help of Birch Gold. They make it really easy. They can help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into gold and you won't pay a penny out of pocket. If you want to learn more about this, all you have to do is text Allie to 989-898. They'll send you a free info kit, no obligation. Just learn more about it. See if it's right for you and your financial situation and your family. Text Allie to 989-898 for that free info kit. Allie to 989-898. All right. 
We've been through the kind of depressing stuff, although I hope that the insight was at least encouraging to people. We covered a lot of ground in the past 50 or so minutes, but now we're going to do something that's kind of fun. So I was given would you rathers. I had not looked at these yet. Okay. So I was given these would you rathers. And so we have to answer them as honestly as we can. Um, Okay. Would you rather be Dylan Mulvaney's devoted personal assistant? That's your job. You have to quit what you're doing now. You're his executive assistant. Or would you rather be a year-long intern for Klaus Schwab? Klaus Schwab, actually. I would like to know what exactly he's Everything up to. that goes yeah. on. Wow. Who knows what you would be made to do, though, Lauren? I know. It might be more like you might be, I don't know, boiling puppies or something. But at least you would yeah. be in on it and you can maybe subvert it from the inside. Yeah, maybe so. And then, oh, my gosh, think about the books that you could write. Yes. And think about the subscribers that you would get after Although, a year like Dylan that. Dylan Mulvaney would be a lot of subscribers, too. So it's hard. But Yeah. Oh, that's true. If you quit after a year and mm-hmm. you were like, this is what I this is what I uncovered about his laser hair removal appointments. <laughs> um, OK, would you rather direct a full length stage production of Page Boy by Elliot Page? <laughs> Uh, or every time something good happens, Ibram X. Kendi pops up and explains why it's racist in your personal life. I would rather do the page boy thing by a mile, by a mile. I feel like that could actually be kind of fun, (laughs) um, depending on how seriously I have to take it. But, uh, yeah, the Ibram X. Kendi thing, that would be, that would get old immediately. Yeah, it really would. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. We've done this before, but I want to get your answer. Life or death situation. You only have one phone call and you only have 15 seconds to describe what's going on, what's needed and where you are. Yeah. Would you rather the person on the other line be Joe Biden or John Fetterman? <laughs> yeah. It still I've, makes me laugh. I know. I've, I've seen you do this one. Um, so wait, I'm, I'm, I have to describe this to You've the person? You've got 15 seconds and you can choose between calling Joe Biden or John Fetterman's life or death situation. You have to tell them all the relevant information so that you can save their life. Like, who do you trust to be able to understand that and then convey it properly and quickly? That's really hard. So tough. <sighs> Gosh. I feel like my answer kind of changes depending on the news cycle because sometimes I'm like, oh, Biden had a pretty good, you know, that was a pretty he good had a good day. Yeah, yeah. And then he just uh, topples all over the place. Ooh, I think I would have to go Fetter- Fetterman. Wow. I, it's hard. It's That's hard. so tough. I think I would still say Biden. Biden. That's really tough. I think we'd probably just die. Yeah, probably. I think it's that's just probably the, the, real, yeah. the real answer. Um, okay, let's do one more. Let's see. Would you rather speak in a fake accent for a month and try to convince people it's real? Everyone knows it's not. Yeah. But you have to do that. You're German now. Or would you have to do a Kamala Harris cackle every time you find something even <laughs> remotely funny? <laughs> um, I, I feel like I would do the accent instead because, I mean, people have pulled that off. Look at Madonna. She's British now, apparently. Is she? Yeah. She, or she's she's done that. Or like Lindsay Lohan started speaking with like an Arabic Hilaria accent. Hilaria Baldwin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See? I think she's just like Hillary from like Philadelphia Boston or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and I would do the accent thing. That's common in Hollywood. That's not even something to blink at. Yeah. You yeah. don't think people would be like, like, do you think, do you think people at like Blaze TV would, would they say like, anything? Hey, Lauren, like, is there a reason that you 
have I just like yeah, I don't I'm say just you're embracing anymore. the Nashville lifestyle. I've, I'm Southern now. <laughs> yeah. just... Oh, that'd be funny if you put on like a really, really thick twang and you pretended like like what, what? I've always I've, talked like this. I've just been, you know, hanging out in Nashville. This is just how I talk now. Can it's... you? Okay, try. Try to talk like what you think. Do you think I have a Southern accent? I don't think you have a Southern okay. accent. Um, but it's kind of interesting because in where I live in Nat, like I live outside of Nashville, but there are so many transplants that yeah. a lot of people don't even have accents. And, you know, even I've met some people who are like born and raised in, in Nashville. They don't have accents either. Yeah. So it's the people outside of Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. Can you do can you do uh, a Tennessee? Well, accent? I find when I when I talk to people who do have an accent, one of the things <laughs> is that they also talk much slower. They talk real slow than what I'm used to. Yes, they do. Yes, yeah. they do. I got family members probably listening to this that you sound just like this. I don't know if you know that. Actually, I'm talking a little faster than they do. <laughs> but yes, but it's do. like, yeah, being from the Northeast, I'm like, like, OK, OK, yeah. like I'm like, I, you know, I'm from the Northeast. I have things to do. I have, I have business. Yeah, you're like, come on, yeah, let's, let's go. go. OK, thank you so much for a lovely conversation. Again, everyone can find you. Well, Twitter, Instagram, but then also your YouTube channel and Blaze's channel and Blaze's well. channel. You I'm got everywhere. lots of places to find Lauren Chen. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Thanks for having me. Thanks.